John 15, 12, beginning at 12, says, Jesus is speaking. This is my command. Love one another as I have loved you. No one has greater love than this, that someone would lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. I do not call you slaves anymore because a slave doesn't know what his master or Lord is doing. I have called you friends because I have made known to you everything I have heard from my father. You did not choose me, but I chose you. I appointed you that you should go out and produce fruit so that your fruit may remain, so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give you. And then finally, this is what I command you, love one another. So just just to pick apart a couple things here that, that I wanted to focus on. Verse 14, you are my friends if you do what I command you. 12 says, love one another as I have loved. Love people like I love you. And then 16, you did not choose me, but I chose you. I appointed you that you should go out, produce fruit, and that your fruit should remain. That's key there. So Father, I just pray that you would prepare our minds and our hearts this morning, Lord. Just make our hearts fertile soil to receive this word and to be able to take it from this place this afternoon and apply it to our lives. Lord, not just to be hearers, but doers of the word. In Jesus' name. So how many um, have experienced this moment of clarity? I'm sure we've all been to at least one funeral in our lives. Um, And I've been to a few, and it seems like whenever you're there, you have this moment of clarity about what's my funeral going to be like. And you see the people who are there attending this one, but I, I know I've wondered about my own, who's going to be there, what will be said, what kind of impact. I mean, that's huge, you know, moving, moving through your midlife, I know, for me, you know, what kind of impact am I going to make on those around, around me? You know that, you know, what not, what's not going to be said at, you know, how, how successful a business did they have? I never really hear that. I don't really hear about, you know, what kind of car or house they lived in how much they accrued in their bank account. At the end of it all, we're going to be known for the lives that we impact, those individuals that we impact. What a tragedy it would be to get to the end of our lives and find that a majority of what we've invested is in things that aren't even, they're not even with us anymore. Um, I know that both my grandmother and father died a few years back, and they were, they were um, actually pastor baptized them um, up at their campgrounds, which was, which was an awesome memory. Um, but they were just such good people. And yes, they were my grandparents, but I know that, you know, Joel and Dave can attest, they were just the kindest, sweetest people that definitely had an impact on my life. And um, another instance was I got the Holy Ghost um, in the 80s, and uh, yay, 80s. <laughs> and uh, the church that I went to at the time, my brother Dan Maloney, who's playing the bass here this morning, his father, Mike, 
was such an impact on my life because, you know, we were, we were going through pro- prophetic time, you know, prophetic uh, series at the time. And, uh, you know, you got you to gotta have that fire insurance, especially as a kid, you know, I don't want to be lost. And uh, I just remember him praying with me for a couple of weeks, you know, the, every Sunday night he would, he would pray with me and I didn't get it, you know, I didn't receive it. And I remember him just saying, next week's your week, next week's your week. And I did, I did get it. I don't know how long that actually transpired, but I, I did get, I did receive the spirit. And it wasn't but a few months later after that that he passed away. And I remember in the car just saying, why God, you know, why did you take him? And that was, it's funny, you know, even people who have left and after him, I don't know if have, they've made that much of an impact in my life, just I remember just being devastated because he was gone, not realizing that you know there was a better place at the time. I mean, I was twelve or thirteen at the time, but he impacted my life. It wasn't. I don't know anything about him. I don't even know what he did for a living. I don't know, you know, much about his family. I just know that there was a touch there, and you know, there was. I was greatly affected by that one-on-one touch from him. Um, so let's just unpack this thought just a little bit. Um, if we want to be effective and remembered at our end of days, and we know that it's about making an impact on individuals and not accruing things or amassing wealth, what can we do about it? What does the word of God say? So we need to begin with the end in mind. Has anyone read uh, Stephen Covey's Seven Habits of Highly Effective People? (laughs) Audible. (laughs) I haven't read it, but I did read it. Um, The second one says begin with the end in mind. And while he does correlate this to a lot of business, you know, self-help and business-type practices. Um, He also tells us in that book to find out what really matters to us. And here, the applicable thing is is God and and what really matters there. Um, There's a quote in there that says, it's incredibly easy to get caught up in an activity trap in the busyness of life, to work harder and harder, climbing the ladder of success, only to discover that it's leaning against the wrong wall. Uh-oh. <laughs> I, don't, I don't want that to happen. So I need to be intentional now if I want my legacy to affect somebody. I need to, I need to, to take some things in mind now. I need clearly define not only the direction, but the destination of our lives. Um, so like I said, well, that is sort of correlates to the business world, maybe self-help. Where does God come into this? Um, John fifteen sixteen says, You did not choose me, but I chose you. I appointed you that you should go out, produce fruit, and that your fruit should remain. I chose you. God chose you. Why? To bear fruit. Not just any fruit, notice, but fruit that remains. 
fruit will, that will last beyond our own lifetime. So what fruit is he speaking about there? I'm convinced that the fruit that Jesus is talking about is people. The reference to producing fruit is, is sort of sandwiched in between a few different things in that opening scripture I, I read. Love one another as I have loved. No greater love than someone would lay down his life for a friend. And then this is my command. Love one another. So when Jesus speaks of bearing fruit that remains, it is in the context of loving people. So, we have an assignment. Verse 14 of that, you are my friends, if you do what I command you. I don't necessarily think that means, like, if you don't, then, you know, you're shunned. (laughs) But, he was speaking to the disciples, you are my friends, This this is what I'm commanding you. And he goes on to elaborate on his command, I appointed you, that you should go out and produce fruit and your fruit should remain. Go and produce fruit, but make sure it's fruit that remains. So God doesn't care about our accomplishments because accomplishments are going to fade away. They're going to be forgotten. He cares about people, that fruit. And he wants us to love the same people that he loved when he sacrificed so much. So what makes this assignment so difficult for many? Why don't we necessarily invest our lives? I'm not saying nobody does this, but it's against our human nature sometimes to invest our lives in people. Or we don't go out of our way because of time, because of life. Because maybe we're impressed by and we care about other things. Maybe, like I mentioned before, our focus may be on the here and now. What can I accrue? You know, this is, what is my retirement going to look like? Um, we don't value what he values, which is our human nature goes against that to begin with. We don't understand that people are what move the heart of God. And we let our day-to-day life take priority. So stop and think about this. The greatest thing that we can do with our life is love and invest in someone else, someone who loves God, someone who he died for, to walk with someone else. And this is discipleship. This is no better modeled in the New Testament than with Paul and Barnabas and Timothy. If you're not familiar with that whole um, dynamic Paul and Barnabas were, they were equals. They were, um, Barnabas sort of brought, onboarded Paul, and then they, they, were, they were friends. They were somebody who they could confide in, that they could encourage each other. Um, somebody who maybe he could be accountable to, I'm sure. Had his back in, in all of the many trials and, uh, and tribulations that they went through in the New Testament But he also had a younger man in his life, um, Timothy, who he mentored and who he was able to disciple and bring up to the point where he was. So in reality, if we use this, we should each have a Barnabas in our lives. We should have a Timothy 
to mentor. How God loves to see when we give ourselves to those around us, someone he loves. So the truth is we can all do this, even if you've only been a a believer for a few weeks. I remember Dave saying this a few weeks ago. Even if you're a few weeks into this whole thing, you might be a week ahead of someone else. You might have an experience that someone else who just walked in the door can glean from. Um, so the, preach, the preaching of the word, I know that for myself in the past, this has been a common thought and thread with me. It's like when you think of discipleship, the first thing I would think of is what's happening now. You know, it's pastor, pastors discipling us as a congregation. But true transformation doesn't happen just because somebody preaches a sermon. The Bible says it's, it's necessary, it's powerful, but it's even more powerful when that seed lands in a culture of discipleship. How, many, how much more powerful is that when pastor gets up here and preaches a word, and then we can take that word and run with it, and the, and the people, our Barnabas and our Timothy, we can help impart those words into the lives of those around us. The seed of the word doesn't, if, if the seed doesn't land in a culture of discipleship, then true belief and formation, foundation, and maturity does not automatically happen. We can't expect something to be delivered and then wonder why people aren't grasping a hold of those concepts. It's when discipleship happens between us that those things are going to solidify Um, they happen when we walk with each other, we study and unpack things together, we challenge each other. I know that's that's huge, just to challenge us out of our our comfort zone sometimes. And if we don't know something, we can study it and we can figure it out together because God knows I don't know it all. But you know what? I can ask a brother who's been in it longer than me. I can ask my Barnabas, what do we think about this? The lack of foundation in people's lives isn't because of a lack of preaching. We do, we have great preaching. And pastor asked me to speak on Tuesday and I was like, okay. (laughs) I know sometimes he can come up with something in the front row of a sermon or of a service and just deliver it and you'd never know, but that's not me. (laughs) We have good preaching, but the foundation is there because We're not all discipling people as commanded by Jesus, as we read a few verses ago. Matthew 28, 19, the Great Commission says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. This was a direct commandment to the church. It wasn't a command to the 1% who stands up here on a Sunday and preaches the word. This was a go and make disciples of all men. It applies to every believer we have been given an assignment. So what might this assignment look like in the modern church and here at Gateway? I know some of you might say, you know, I can't disciple anyone if I'm, I'm new. You know, the, there is an element of, you know, you, you need to be discipled. And there are people here that can do that, that can come up come upside you. And, you know, we can teach Bible studies. There's so many different things that we do, home groups. They're just so many resources for you to connect and grow deeper in your walk with God. 
And then there's others who've been, you know, may have been here a while, you're still saying, you know, maybe that word has got the wrong connotation. I know it doesn't, you know, for me, discipleship, you might think of the guru or Jesus having the disciples. Well, Jesus had disciples, who am I? But that's not what it's about. Discipleship does not begin when we reach some plateau in our spiritual walk where we feel we're ready. Like I said, it's not a pulpit preaching thing. God doesn't require a theological degree to connect and listen to someone. Amen? We can always disciple, impact, and impart something to someone around us. Even if it's just a word of encouragement. I mean, do you realize that just speaking a word to somebody, what kind of impact that can have? There are some, there are some people around me that have said things that I never in a million years would have thought would have been impactful. Like, you remember when you did that? And I'm like, no, I don't. And then they're telling me that it impacted their lives. And I, you know, sometimes it's just the love of God flowing from us. In order to have a revival of discipleship, I also think we need to connect the generations. I think this is something that's increasingly Uh, There's a divergence here for sure. Um, Because when the generations are disconnected, the model of discipleship is not visually seen and it's broken in the church. Biblical discipleship isn't like a classroom. It's not not this. It's like a family. You've got got your parents and, and children and there's there's that education. There's that impart. There's just looking. Kids will look at you and see what you do. And they'll take things from, from cues, you know, visual cues and things that are said. Um, it looks like fathers and mothers with sons and daughters. Remember, we are the Paul to someone's Barnabas and someone's Timothy at the same time. It's not like just because I became a father, I stopped becoming a husband or a son. These are things that all happen simultaneously. Um, like I said, home groups are another, probably the, the tier of what, what happens here. And I hope if you're not involved, you know, you can get with Paul or I could connect you with somebody. But I know this past Thursday was just an amazing time. Sometimes we just shoot the breeze and we just talk about whatever. But then other times God just breaks in and... God is, God is doing some great things, and that is an, an excellent example of where discipleship can happen in that smaller group scenario. Um, what about parenting? That's, that's a place where we are discipling our children. Literally, I, I know I mentioned the figurative family, but let's not forget the literal family, too. Um, it's easy to be hands-off when it comes to God because I know we're busy. You know, sometimes it's, well, they've got Sunday school. They've got youth group. But how will our children realize that this is not just a Sunday thing if we don't talk about God during the week? And I know I have failed with this quite a bit too over the years, I think, the last couple years, 
we have, we have carved out a little time each day where we will sit down and we'll read a chapter and we'll discuss it. And I love it. It's just a time to get inputs, to get questions from your kids, just something to dive a little deeper in the Word at home. And I, I, I really believe that's a vital tool in this whole discipleship thing. Um, you know, Sunday school is, is some, a place where people can serve here and disciple younger kids. We've got RMG where, you know, the last one was just amazing, just people contributing and, and words being spoken that can help somebody. I know I'm sure the ladies' meetings are maybe similar. I can't confirm nor deny that. <laughs> um, and there's other unique groups here that are specific to specific needs that, that will help disciple. Um, so why don't you guys stand... Um, this is our challenge. I mean, there's, there's, there's a lot to be concerned about with the direction of our world and our nation. Not afraid or fearful of, because he has it in control. There is joy and peace for those who choose to accept and embrace it. But there are many around us who are troubled, and they're in need of discipleship. There's different levels. There's different maturities in this room. Some of you have been here since the beginning, and others, maybe this is your first time in the door. But let me just say that God is, God is, he is good, and he is able to give you peace. And these are things that will come as you are discipled in the teachings of Christ the experiences of those who are here that can testify to the goodness of God. Because it's that testimony, it's the personal experience that is really going to make. Sometimes reading the words on a page may not have an initial impact on you if you're new in this thing. They may see, it may seem like just a book. But I promise you there is dozens of people in here who have experienced this and they can no longer say that this is just this is just something on the pages of a book this is something that i know about he is asking us to invest our time and effort in those around us because he loves people and he can't directly i mean he speaks but we are his hands and feet and how is the person next to me going to, to learn and be discipled if I don't step up and obey the command that I said there at the beginning? He commands us. You know, a post on social media isn't going to clear up the, conversa- the, the confusion and fear around us. What will be effective is somebody who commits to them, who adopts and walks with them, who believes with them, who calls them, who prays with them, reads the word. This is the way of Jesus. And so it would just, I, I, know that, I know this happens. I know this happens here. I think we have got a really good thing going. But wouldn't it be great if we could all just name, you know, this is the person who I consider my Barnabas. This is the person who I am mentoring this is my Timothy. And this doesn't, you know, 
uh, speaking to you young people, this is not something that's just an adult thing. You know, find someone that's a few years younger than you. You know, there's a reason why something like, you know, big brothers and sisters exist because there is that connection and that impact that someone can have on a younger life. So even you, let's find somebody there that you can, you know, say a prayer with. You can read the Bible up, you know, at altar call. You can come up here and pray with them. Be intentional. So at the end of every service, we usually take a few minutes, spend it with the Lord. The fact is, what is hearing a message if it doesn't find fertile soil to land on? Let's just pray here that God would make our heart fertile soil this morning, that we could take what we've heard just about discipleship. It's not a huge concept. It doesn't, it, you know, I've, I, I've spoken a few minutes about this, but if you think about it, it's, very, it's a very easy thing to do, but it connects with the people that God loves and who knows what kind of impact that it's going to have on those around you. So to say a prayer and then we'll sing a song and during that song, just, just ask God to help take it, from, take it from this place. Lord, as we continue to pray for a spiritual awakening and revival, Lord, we pray that you would give us a revival of discipleship, Lord. Lord, the world is confused, but let them come to this place and find the solution to that. Let them find clarity. Lord, the world's in bondage. Lord, let them enter the doors and find freedom. In all this, let us be here ready, willing, and able to disciple and be your hands and feet. Lord, help me to see your value for people. Lord, not just to go about my day to day without regard for the people who you died for. I want to see at the end of my days, Lord, that he poured into me, he walked with me, he shared the word with me. He rejoiced with me. He cried with me. Lord, that's that's my prayer this morning. Lord, I want to be more of a disciple than I am today, Lord. Let us have an impact in our lives. In Jesus' name.